Does this sound familiar to you? You're running late for an appointment. You tell your child, you need to get your shoes on. They go to put their shoes on, but the shoes are too tight and they start squealing because the shoes are just too tight and they can't stand it. You loosen their shoes and then all of a sudden it's like, no, it's too loose. So then you tighten the shoes and then all of a sudden it's, no, it's too tight. So then you finally get the shoe issue figured out because you throw them a pair of rain boots. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, you need to put a coat on. And they go to get a coat and they're like, oh, this coat has a scratchy tag on it. Cut it out. And you're like, we don't have time to cut it out because we're late for the appointment. And they're like, no, I'm not going anywhere without you cutting the tag out of my coat. So then you run to get the scissors to cut the tag out. And then you cut the tag out. But then all of a sudden the sleeves are too tight because the shirt underneath gets bunched up underneath the coat sleeve. And then you have to solve that issue too. Later on in the evening, you get home and you go to put your kid to bed and the sheets are too scratchy. It feels like there's dirt in the sheets and you're like, please just go to bed. It's been a long day and I'm exhausted. So what's going on with your child? Well, there's a huge chance that your child may be highly sensitive. What does that mean? Hmm. It's a good thing that I have an expert on the show today that is going to explain to us what having a highly sensitive child can look like and what you can do to help them. Also, the benefits of being highly sensitive as well. So I'm very excited because we have Kelsey Brown on the show today. She is a language pathologist, a highly sensitive expert for children, and she helps so many parents with their child that is struggling with being highly sensitive and she helps us to understand how to help them through those moments that are just like ah when you both just kind of want to scream but that obviously will not help the situation at all so very excited that kelsey is joining us today and i hope that you enjoy the show leave a comment a message whatever you want to do let us know what you thought of the show today and if you have any questions for sure reach out uh there's some information for kelsey at the end of the show if you'd like to follow her definitely do that because she's got an awesome page and i'm really looking forward to sharing this amazing information with you so let's just start the show now all right here we go I'm so glad that you found the Genuine Mom Club podcast. We live in a digital world that so often leaves mamas behind. That's why I'm here, to help you get through the days and not feel so alone. I'll be covering topics from anxiety to homeschool to health to raising kids and so much more. I'll be joined by some pretty incredible experts on all of these various topics to help you with all of your mama questions. Whatever you need, I'm right here to help you. Thank you for listening to the Genuine Mom Club podcast. Welcome to the Genuine Mom Club podcast. You are listening to episode eight. Today we have a very awesome guest joining us and I'm very excited for this and I really hope that you are too. Kelsey Brown is a language pathologist expert on highly sensitive children and mommy to three adorable little people. She helps exhausted parents of highly sensitive children manage their child's big emotions through understanding and play. So I am so excited and I would like to give an official and warm welcome to Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Genuine Mom Club podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So before we dive into the big deep questions, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. Okay. So I am a speech language pathologist and I'm a mama of three. Um, I own my own business. It's a home health um, for pediatrics for speech therapy. 
Um, and I show up on social media really more so to share about um, sensory play ideas um, and information for about highly sensitive children. Um, so I also, of course, do some speech tidbits here and there, but um, I have a passion more for the sensory play and highly sensitive children information. That's awesome. So can you define a highly sensitive child's characteristics for us and kind of what that looks like? Yeah. So um, being a highly sensitive child is it's an innate and um, inborn temperament. Um, so what that might look like is shyness, inhibitedness, fearfulness, fussiness as a younger like baby, um, hypersensitive or, oh, you know, being oversensitive to stimuli um, that could be anything like touch, um, like clothing, even light, noise, sounds, but also highly being highly sensitive. Um, a lot of highly sensitive kids are very creative and intuitive. They're very wise beyond their years and particularly empathetic. Hmm. So you said um, like clothes, like sensitive to clothes. So like yeah. tags on a yeah. shirt. Okay. My, da my daughter's yeah. like that. Like there cannot be a tag on any of her clothes or she just will not wear them. Like it yep. upsets her. And thank her. goodness for like Cat and Jack at Target now where they make all those no tag, you know, it's like, um, um, branded in or whatever. <laughs> no tags. Oh, on. So nice. We don't have a target here. Oh, sad. That's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, we did. And then they left. I oh, loved it. No. I had no idea that they left. That's crazy. Yeah. We only had them here for like a, two years, maybe. And then they left. It was such a sad well, time. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure you have tags though, that are, or shirts that have no tags. <laughs> you know what I'm about, yeah, right? actually but... I've had to become very like um, inventive and yes, <laughs> things yes. like that. Yeah. I have to check into that before I buy them for her, for sure. Uh-huh. So how common is it for your child to be highly sensitive? Yeah. So it's thought to be that 15 to 20% of children are highly sensitive. So one in five. Wow. That is a lot. Yeah. More That's than you think, but of course being highly sensitive, there's a spectrum, right? So you might be like, quote unquote, mildly highly sensitive versus, you know, significantly highly sensitive. So there's definitely a spectrum. So, you know, if you think back to your childhood and you're like, what, like, if I think of my class of 20, I can't think of that many people that were highly sensitive. Well, you, some of them, you just might not have noticed or, right. um, or more high functioning or even, um, in, in a realm too, there's, introverted, highly sensitive people, and there's extroverted, highly sensitive people. And so you, you know, those, those other temperaments might also play into how the highly sensitive, how the sensitivity comes out too. Wow. And you know, like even back when I was growing up, I don't feel like they talked about like sensitivity very much, right? Like highly sensitive kids. Cause I, I know for a fact for myself, like I hated the feeling of certain clothes. Yes. I was the same way. I a hundred percent agree. I don't feel like it was very well known, um, back in the day, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. I, I, it's definitely more well known now. And, um, but I still think there's still a lot of moms to reach, um, that don't know about it and wonder if, you know, what's going on is normal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool that you're trying to reach moms that are 
you know, trying just trying to raise their kids and, and maybe they're like, what is wrong with my kid? Because they're screeching when they put a, per- a certain shirt on. Yes, exactly. And I think just to know that there is a certain level of quote unquote normal, right? That like, so being highly sensitive, it's a temperament. It's not a diagnosis. It's not a disability. Yeah. And so I think it's just important to like be able to weed out what is a disability versus what is just an, a spectrum of normal. Right. Um, and just being sensitive, extra sensitive. <laughs> yeah. So how, how can you tell if your child is highly sensitive? So, um, Dr. Elaine, um, Aaron and hsperson.com, there's an actual quiz that you can go and take to determine like, you know, on a, on out of all these questions, how many of my child answers, like how many of them are correct for my child. Um, and I think kind of going back to what I said before that disability versus spectrum of normal. Um, I think it's just important to note, like, if you feel like your child's sensitivities are so significant that they're impacting everyday life, like sleep or mealtime, um, that you can always like go talk to obviously the pediatrician, but a psychologist, a developmental pediatrician, or an occupational therapist would all be able to do assessments to see if it's something more than just sensitivity. And if there's any other um, things going on, um, like sensory processing disorder, autism, ADHD, anxiety, depression, things like that, that might kind of overlap. Can you give me the the website again that you go to? Okay. Hsperson.com. And there's a quiz there for- Okay. So if a mom is suspecting that their child might be highly sensitive, they can go to that website, take the quiz and it'll kind of tell them, you know, what's going on there. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Elaine, Dr. Elaine Aaron also has the book highly sensitive, the highly sensitive child. Okay. Um, And that is like that information is on that same website. Um, it would be, you know, helpful for someone that is suspecting too. Okay. So if someone, you know, takes a quiz and they're like, oh yeah, my kid is highly sensitive. So that would probably be the number one go-to is to check out this book by, by her. Yes. Yes. Okay. Reading the highly sensitive child. And then also just following like other parenting experts, um, definitely psychologists, like even just online, like on Instagram, there's psychologists that, um, definitely cover it. Obviously I focus a lot on it as well. Um, so just following those parenting experts online that, you know, focus on highly sensitive children, but definitely, you know, educating yourself. Um, step one, I always recommend people to the book, the highly sensitive child, the highly sensitive child. Awesome. Um, and also I'm going to put your information for your Instagram account at the end of the interview. So that if, you know, someone wants to start following you and learn more on how to help their highly sensitive child. They'll be able to do that with your help as well, which is awesome. Sounds. By the way, like I love your page. So. Oh, thank you. It's so good. It's so, so good. So what sort of things should a parent try to avoid if their child is highly sensitive? So I think, I feel like this is kind of the opposite of what to avoid, but I think just highly sensitive children seem to do best with more of a gentle parenting or respectful parenting approach. 
And I just think, um, so avoiding the opposite of it would be, you know, trying to avoid losing your cool and yelling, um, and really practicing what you preach. So, um, with highly sensitive children, obviously the goal that we want to work on as parents is to get them to, um, to be able to manage their emotions internally. Right. And not, not show them as such huge behaviors or outbursts or tantrums or meltdowns. Um, so I think, you know, ultimately we want to be modeling that for them too, modeling how we need to manage our emotions the same way they do too. So again, going back to that gentle parenting, respectful parenting, obviously always addressing their feeling first, um, and coming from a place of understanding and respect, um, it just seems like it's the most effective for the, for these kiddos. Cause they are just really sensitive and, um, and, and have big emotions. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think just such, that's such a good rule to follow too. Just if your kid's not even highly sensitive, just being able to teach them, you know, respectful ways yeah. to approach things. Like imagine how different the world would be if every child was raised that way. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. It would be so awesome. Little changes at a time, right? Like what you're yeah. doing, you're changing yeah. the world little by little. So good. Oh, oh, so sweet. <laughs> so I saw on your Instagram page, uh, you have like a ton of sensory ideas, which I love. They're so awesome. You you have like your own little mini, like Pinterest feed oh. on your Instagram page. It's so cool. Uh, so how important is it for children who are highly sensitive to have these kind of like sensory stimulations? Yeah. So I think, I think, um, the benefit of sensory play is that it's a great way to practice flexibility and adaptation to multi-sensory input. So, and I think the important thing about that is you're practicing it in a safe environment. So the child feels safe at home, right? And it's fun. You're presenting when you do sensory play, you're presenting it in a fun way and you're giving them things to do in it, like trucks or their people, or you're hiding things in the sensory bin, right? So it's, it's a fun way to to experiment with the, this new sensory input. And I think ultimately the kiddos can practice their ability to, you know, efficiently and appropriate, appropriately respond to sensory stimulation. So they might be potentially overstimulated by a sensory bin, but I think it's important to that, you know, ultimately they're going to be overstimulated by life. Right. And we want them to learn those skills of how do I efficiently and appropriately respond to this feeling, um, and move forward and do that internally and not have these big meltdowns because we want them to generalize that to, to life as we know it, right. They're going to be overwhelmed or overstimulated in other areas. And we want them to learn, how can I learn these, these strategies, at home in a safe, Mm -hmm. fun way and practicing the strategies at home during sensory play, and then be able to, to do them in real world situations. So, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of that, why does it work for a highly sensitive child? I mean, of course, there's so many other benefits to sensory play in general. Um, you know, quite obviously one of my favorites language being a speech pathologist, but, um, of course, you know, even just building positive pathways in the brain with new stimuli. So we, our body, obviously when we, when we 
when we um, approach or are approached with new stimuli, our body always is going through these, the, the fight, flight, or freeze responses, mm-hmm. right? And how do we respond to that? So like, if you have an example, like, um, like if you see, you see uh, tigers at the zoo, you have learned that it's safe to see tigers at the zoo and your, you know, physiological response doesn't, your heart rate doesn't increase. You don't start sweating. You don't get nervous or, and you don't go into that fight, flight, or freeze. But if you saw like a tiger in the wild, you're going to, because it's not, you haven't learned that that's a safe environment, right. To see that. So your heart rate's going to go up. You're going to, your physiological response is going to change and you're going to have to choose fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And that's similar on a larger scale, right. (laughs) On a much different scale, similar on a different way, but, um, that, that, you know, when they're, when they're in real life situations that happens, um, and where they're having to, you know, these fight, flight, or freeze responses. But if we can, you know, sensory play, going back to the sensory play, mm-hmm. using sensory play to build those positive pathways to new stimulation, then it changes and shapes their choices and their behaviors. So it's teaching, it's essentially teaching your brain that it's safe, right? That it's hmm. safe to en- encounter these new experiences. It's safe to, um, to have something that is a little scratchy on your skin because it's a tag and it's a little scratchy. Well, it's safe. It's just a tag. It's just scratchy. So it's kind of training your brain to like register what's safe and what's not. Hopefully that made sense. (laughs) That was so cool. I love, loved that zoo analogy. Yes. So that was awesome. Yeah. So we, we learn, you know, through situations or situationally, what is and isn't safe, what, what our bodies, how we feel safe, where we feel safe and you know, what we're surrounded by. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, sensory stimulation, those sort of things, it's important for all kids, not just kids that are highly sensitive, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. That is so cool. I really, really liked that tiger analogy. That was like, that was awesome. You need to (laughs) patent that. That was so good. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, that was so good. Um, okay. So say we have a listener whose child is really struggling with bedtime. Nothing seems right. They're scared of the dark, but they scream because you go to turn the nightlight on and it's too bright and the sheets don't feel right. They're scratchy or there's like, you know, some sand or something that you can't seem to feel, but they do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are some things that we can do with our littles that are struggling with that? around bedtime, especially because you know how our nerves are shot at that time and <laughs> or not, yeah. not our nerves. Our mood is like gone because it's nighttime. Yeah. So uh, what are some suggestions you have? So I think like I'll approach this kind of in a backwards way too. <laughs> so I think it's planning ahead. I think in you find with a highly sensitive kiddo that planning ahead is like just so important for so many different scenarios. Um, but I think even in, with bedtime, so I think one of the most important things is allowing yourself enough time for a bedtime routine, trying not to like rush it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like you said, like as parents, we're kind of at the end of our rope. Um, but also kids, um, I think just, you know, 
planning out your, your evening, planning mm-hmm. out what that bedtime routine is and being consistent having a consistent routine, giving yourself plenty of time and even like verbalizing what's going to come next to them. Like, so making sure that they're aware of what's coming next. I think also what helps my highly sensitive child and I think others is um, just having it be a calming mood overall. So, you know, reducing lights, playing soft music, just keeping it simple, turning off technology, um, even doing things like deep breathing and um, reading books, talking about the day too can help. Um, and just, you know, singing songs and definitely like using reflective listening. So listening to their worries. And, um, one idea that I've seen somewhere else that I love is using like a stuffed animal or a puppet and writing down their scary feelings and feeding it to the stuffed animal. So it's eaten and the scary feelings are gone. Um, which I think obviously works with a younger crowd, but I just thought that was a cute, a cute idea to kind of help take those away before they turn out the lights. And cause yeah. there, there definitely can be a lot of fear at bedtime. Right. So for a high, highly sensitive child, like fear is relatively worse around so bedtime. I think, yes. And no, not necessarily. I think it's all child specific, I think, but I, I, they, sometimes they will have harder time falling asleep at night um, because they're really thinking a lot about the day. And even if it was a really fun and exciting day, they have a hard time falling asleep Hmm. or it was a really like something happened in their day that upset them or scared them, you know, again, um, can have a harder time falling asleep. Just that overthinking component, almost like, yeah, overanalyzing situations. So definitely. Hmm. That's awesome. I really like those tips too. That's great. And the stuffed animal one. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. I saw that. I can't even remember where I saw that, but I thought that was so cute. Like one, if your kid's having bad dreams, you can like take the pillow and like shake it off and then like flip it over and be like, this is the good side. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't tried that one yet, but yeah, Yeah. there's, there's definitely some good ideas out there. I like that one though. That's really cool. So for our highly sensitive kids, Mm-hmm. Is too much screen time a recipe for disaster? So I think it can be. I think I think it kind of is similarly applied to like all kids, right? I think there's always going to be like a level of um, too much <laughs> screen time for sure. And I think it comes back to the spectrum of sensitivity too, right? Like there's some kids that might be more affected by it than others. I think at the end of the day, it's, it always comes back to moderation for everything. Right. Um, and same with TV using it in moderation. And I think paying attention to, to like what they're watching. So things that might be a little bit like that might not be scary to another kiddo might be really alarming to a highly sensitive child. And that's something that you would see at bedtime where they're like having nightmares or they're staying awake because of it. So, um, yeah, I just think using it in moderation and yeah, paying attention to what they're actually watching to make sure that, cause even Disney movies have some like scary parts, you know, so yeah. just keeping it light. Yeah. yeah. Screen time is such a thing in our house. Like just during this interview, my son was in here, like, can I have, <laughs> yeah. can I go watch TV when you're doing your podcast? And I'm like, no, cause you'll use the internet. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
but it's hard, you know, when there's, especially this time with COVID going on and everything, like screen times really become like a, a thing. Cause so many kids are doing virtual learning and yeah, everything else, it gets really intense. So that's hard, but I think, yeah, definitely everything in moderation, just like chocolate's yeah. supposed to be good for us. Right. Right. So. <laughs> Wait, that's a one. <laughs> Um, all right. So what tips do you have for a mom who is really struggling with her highly sensitive child? Like her kid is driving her crazy. Yes. So I think first and foremost is educate education, read the highly sensitive child by Dr. Lane Aaron. Um, like I said, the following um, parent helpers on Instagram or Facebook, um, and then seeking professional advice too, if needed, you know, if it's really overwhelming, I think talking to the pediatrician, asking for a psycho psychology evaluation. And then I think also though, sometimes it's just a mindset shift. You know, I think it's not, you know, I, I think it's validated to be like losing our minds over it sometimes. But <laughs> 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 like you said, mom, being a mom is hard. And I think it's, that's valid to like have those feelings. So I think I'm not trying to like invalidate that, that aspect of it, but sometimes there are things that we can acknowledge just are sometimes a mindset shift, like just waking up on Mondays and being like, oh, it's a Monday versus like, okay, it's Monday. Let's get this week going, you know? So I think the same kind of thing applies to a highly sensitive child, just appreciating like some of like the wonderfulness that comes from it. Right. So like their empathy, their curiosity. And I mean, sometimes just like their memory, their, their attention to detail and just knowing that like, um, there's a place in, in the world for people like that. So really like focusing on their, their positive aspects and how you can make those shine while not losing your mind over the negative aspects. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it can definitely be hard. I, yeah, yeah I have, uh, I remember before we started recording this, um, you asked me a bit about myself and mm -hmm. I had told you that my I had postpartum anxiety really bad and three little kids and it was really brutal. And, uh, that's kind of like my mission is to help moms with whatever they're at. And, um, I remember my daughter, she was, she had just turned two and I had this like tiny little newborn cause he was premature. So he's super small. And, yeah. um, then I had a, a four-year-old as well. And I was struggling with postpartum anxiety. And I remember my two-year-old, um, she, didn't like, like it's, it was winter. And so like, I'm in Canada. So going outside, <laughs> outside in the winter, you have to wear like tons of warm clothes and whatnot. And I was just trying to get them outside. And I remember like every time I would like put her coat on, she would like rip it off and mm -hmm. she'd start screaming. And then I would try to put it on her again. And then she would rip it off and start screaming. And I remember thinking like, okay, what is like wrong with her? And like, what's wrong with me? And like, it was just this whole thing. And I felt so incredibly overwhelmed by it. Cause it was just like, I can't get my child to put a coat on. And yeah. like, from there, it just turned into like a whole thing too. Like she's um, really sensitive to like cold weather and like if it's too hot and stuff. And it was difficult. And I was one of those moms that didn't really like realize the whole like sensitivity thing. So right. it was tough. But then I started like doing some research and like understanding it on a deeper level, which was awesome. And um, I'm just like 
in awe of people like you that are out there like helping the moms because all the moms in the world know what's going on with their kids. Yeah. And if it can become so overwhelming so quick. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think, yeah, like you said, there's just not a whole lot of like readily available information on that out there to like realize that there is like a spectrum of normal with that. And I mean, even at that too, sometimes you're like, is this just normal, like toddler craziness? Or is this like, is, you know, is my kid a highly sensitive child? And I think you, you eventually weed that out too, but I totally get that. I totally get like, like so quickly losing your mind. Cause you're like, why won't you just put on the coat? You know, yeah, I, yeah. I totally get it. Um, and I think, yeah, just, just knowing how to work with your child and learning what's going to work best for them. Because yeah, when you have three kids, not ever like you default to parent the same way with all three of them, but that's right. not necessarily what works best for all three of them. So that's yeah. always a challenge too, is, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, your values and are still the same, but you're, you kind of have to shift gears on how they're going to respond best too. So that's always an interesting hurdle as well. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, motherhood. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. It's such a process. Yeah. I love that in the last, like, I don't know, five years ish, just like mental health and like, you know, having a sensitive kid and stuff like that, it's really become like more prominent in conversation, which is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, even just uh, when I had postpartum with my son, so he's six now, it was like barely talked about. Like it was, it was like weird. Like nobody really wanted to talk about it now just to have people that are out there talking about it. It's so nice just to know that like, it's okay. It's normal. If your child is screaming, not wanting to, (laughs) not wanting to put their coat on, you know, it's so nice to have that. Yes. So, oh, it's so good. Normalizing all mental health. Yeah. Actually, I read a thing today. It was so good. I can't remember exactly how it went, but it was like, let's normalize when a kid is struggling with like anxiety or depression or whatever, like just not feeling good mentally. They can come up to their parent and be like, I don't feel good, like mentally. And we like treat them the same as if they had like a tummy ache. Like, right normalizing mental health days from work, things like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, Imagine, a, but yeah. Yeah. I think in the last couple of years we've come so far and I I'm really excited because I feel like we're going to just keep getting better and better. So that's yeah. awesome. Yes. hundred percent agree. So. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzing. Sorry. <laughs> this is what, what happens when uh, two moms do a podcast interview. There's like exactly <laughs> <laughs> lots of little interruptions, but like, um, oh all the people that listen to my podcast are also moms. So <laughs> they understand. <laughs> I know so my computer, great. Uh, the dinging on my computer. Sorry about that too. I was like, Oh, that always happens that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I'm so used to it. And I'm pretty sure all the listeners are so used to it, but <laughs> so true. So true. So is there anything that you want to say to the moms that are listening right now that you know, have a highly sensitive child and they're feeling kind of burnt out and tired. Hang in there. I mean, I think it's, I I know that, you know, everyone in their mom says this all the time, but self-care, right? I mean, at the end of the day, making sure that you are putting your needs out there too, making sure that you're meeting your needs 
to be able to be a good mom, I think is just so important too. Um, and I think just maybe even recognizing sometimes in yourself, if maybe you're a highly sensitive person also, um, can help too, because that might help you figure out what your needs are as well. So, um, and deep breaths, use the strategies, model the strategies. <laughs> That's what I like to say. <laughs> yeah. Always the deep breaths. Take yes. deep breaths. Yes. <laughs> oh my yeah. Oh, that's so good. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today. And yeah. I want to say a huge thank you for sharing your expertise with us. It's so amazing to talk about with you. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. And for anyone that wants to follow along with me, uh, my Instagram handle is as the littles grow with underscores in between each word. So yeah, as and the littles grow. Yeah, definitely follow along because she's got an awesome page. It's definitely worth following. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on today. Thank you so much. Okay. And that wraps up our episode eight of the Genuine Mom Club podcast. Remember that if you do have a child that is highly sensitive and you have days where you feel like you just want to pull your own hair out because you're losing it, just remember you're not alone. There's so many moms that feel the exact same way and you're going to get through it. We're all going to get through it. Little by little, day by day, moment by moment, we will get through this whole motherhood (laughs) journey. So if you're feeling frustrated, reach out, you know, you can reach out to Kelsey, you can reach out to me. There's tons of people out there that are looking to help you and would love to be there for you throughout this whole raising little people process. Again, thank you for listening to the show. If you have any comments or questions, let us know. Uh, let us know what we what you thought of this episode because that, as I always say, always makes me so happy. All right, have a wonderful day and good job being the best mom that you possibly can be. Bye for now. <laughs>